Happy Father's Day again, everybody. Hope y'all are doing great this morning. We just had a fantastic first service. I apologize, it ran over a little bit. And so some of y'all were coming in the door and be like, uh-oh, and it kind of bumped over a little bit. So appreciate you working with us there as we made two services transition into this one. Hey, shout out to all the guys in the room today, guys watching online. We love you men, ladies, kids. If you want to give a guy a gift today, you want to put some ingredients in their life, give them some honor, give them some appreciation. Two things to get God, that every guy needs. Guys need honor and God, guys need appreciation. You can invest those into their lives. It's amazing. So we shout out to hardworking men, men that make this possible, men that provide for their families every day, men that raise their children. You know, they says that if a man leads his family and goes to church with them, the child staying in church when they have the choice to make the decision is 44% more likely to happen. That if a father will lead his children to church, that child by 44% will lead his own life and be a churchgoer as well. So I say it's worth the investment, men, to lead your families to church if almost half of that next generation will come behind you and be involved in the local church as well. So we appreciate you, men. You're on the dream team. You're making things happen. You love your wives. You love our kids. And so we shout out every man on Father's Day. I shout out my dad, too. I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day to you as well. My dad got saved in San Antonio in 1974. First generation, didn't know anything about God, and he had a dream, got saved, went back to Baltimore. They were on vacation in San Antonio, went back to Baltimore and found a local church, found a pastor, and turned his life around, and we've never been the same. He thought about his legacy. He thought of his kids, and today he celebrates his grandchildren and his children being in ministry, loving God, serving in the local church, all because as a first-generation believer, he plugged himself into a church, he found the local pastor, and he began to invest himself into the Word of God. I can tell you I'll have a couple memories of my dad with me for the rest of my life, and one is simply watching him read the Bible every day. Dad, I can look back and see you open that brown Bible up, that brown leather Bible. I asked him for that Bible. I made an awkward ask. Anybody make an awkward ask? <laughs> one time I was home and I was like, hey, Dad, you know, when, when you get to heaven and you leave everything behind, can I have the brown Bible? And he said, your brother beat you to it. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, fine. That's fine. Whatever. I got the toolbox. I got the circular saw. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to each one of you as well. I love you, Dad. Thank you for leaving a legacy. Hey, make sure your kids are signed up for Surge Conference July 10, 11, 12. Going to be a great conference. Watching that video made me feel like I want to go. I don't know about some of y'all. Uh, so your kids will be there. Students, great time. Get with Albert or Brittany and make sure they're there. They can, you can register still and have them at that event too. Hey, if you have your Bible... Turn with me to the book of Acts. We began this series two weeks ago. Pastor Brendan opened up our best summer ever series as we talked about perspective. And we had this great vision for the whole series. We were going to go five weeks long. It was going to be a five-part series. And then suddenly last weekend, we had an episode happen where the storms came through. Everybody slept so good at night. The lightning struck and the thunder rolled and the rain came down and the floods came up and the power went out. And the church had no power. Let it never be said in the church. The church has no power. Last Sunday, the church had no power. 6.05, Pastor James texted me because he was here to load in and get set up. And he said, the church has no power. And I said, you lie. The church has power. <laughs> I said, uh-oh. So we got together and we realized, Entergy said there would be no power restoration until 10 p.m. that night. We had no AC on a hot June Sunday morning. There was no power in the kids' area for lighting. So we just had to cancel service. But you know what was great? I heard stories about families that even though we couldn't gather here for service on a Sunday morning, they still went out and got breakfast. Some guys still went out golfing. Like there was still community happening. Why? Because we don't live and die on one service, one weekend service. We have small groups and we have community and we have so much other, we have so many other areas that you can be involved in and planted in that when a weekend like that occurs out of our control, we keep on going anyway. But what's crazy about it is I had this sermon planned for last weekend. So last weekend, and I even considered preaching it hot and sweaty all up in here because y'all wouldn't have known the power was after you got here. Then you would have been obligated to stay. 
But it was a perfect sermon illustration last weekend for my message today. Because you know, I like illustrations, and you see some of them already. But I had the perfect illustration last weekend. Because we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And what good is a building without power? What good is your life without power? So I saved it for this weekend. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to dive into this thought. Because if you want to have the best summer, if you want to have the best life, you want the best marriage, be the best parent, be the best dad, you need this in your life. This is something that is somewhat misunderstood. We're going to introduce a word to you here in a second. It's probably the, probably the most misunderstood word in the Bible, in the New Testament, I'd say. It's up there with the word grace as far as misunderstood what it actually means. I really want to dive in because I believe today if you engage this, if you'll listen to this, if you'll receive this, if you'll block out everything else you've heard or know or have, have just experienced and you receive, God, I want everything in my life that you want. I'm going to teach you to pray a very pr- powerful prayer. Simple. If you pray this prayer every day and it was the only prayer you pray, you'll begin to pray more. But you can start out your prayer life simply by praying this prayer. God, if you want me to have it in my life, I want it. And if you don't want me to have it in my life, I don't want it. It's powerful. If you'll begin to pray a prayer simply like that, God, if you want me to have it, I want it. And I'll receive it. But if you don't want me to have it, I don't want it. So anything in my life you don't want me to have... Remove it. And everything you do want me to have, add to me. You start right there, and you'll begin to see God do some amazing things in your life when you let go of the things you want and receive the things that God wants you to have. Acts chapter 1, we open up with, in my former book, Theophilus. Now, Dr. Luke, the, the doctor who wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, is writing this book of Acts as well. The book of Acts is actually called Acts of the Apostles. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. The book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles after Jesus. In a moment, you'll see it goes back to heaven. What did the disciples do? What did the apostles do immediately after Jesus returned to heaven? How did they respond? How did they act? How did they send the gospel into the world? Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, also records this. And they say that Theophilus was probably his mentor. It was a man probably of a Grecian man who he was trying to convert into the faith. And so he wrote him a story about the life of Jesus. And then he wrote him a story about the Acts of the Apostles. And he said, in my first book, I told you about Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you in this book, all that began to happen after Jesus went to heaven. He was taken up. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen after suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, which was probably breakfast, because everybody knows breakfast is the best meal. So after over a three egg omelet, he tells them, hey, listen, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Say gift. Oh, come on. Wait for the gift. My father promised. Oh, he refers back to John 14 when Jesus said, listen, guys, I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going away. And when I go, I am going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the helper, the one that my father promised. He reinforces the the promise of the father. He said, and I go away so that he may come. And when he comes to you, get this. When he comes to you and I'm gone, you're going to do greater things than you've seen me do. Do you imagine what the disciples went through in that moment when they heard Jesus say, you're going to do greater? They had never considered Jesus would take a happy meal and feed 20,000 people with it. Beyond their imagination, they had not considered that was possible. Dead people back to life. Blind eyes open. And you're telling me that the moment you go away, Jesus, another's coming and he's going to give us the same power to do the works you're doing? Jesus says, you better believe it. I'm going to send a helper and he is going to assist you to do the works you see me doing on this earth. So they say, well, tell us more about it. Jesus says, John baptized with water. 
But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes sure that the disciples are fully aware and that you and I are fully aware that there are different types of baptisms. So let me give you quickly the three baptisms. There's a baptism into the body of Christ. This is a baptism that is personal. This is salvation. Why does it happen? This is a baptism so that you have forgiveness of sins in your life and receive salvation. This is a baptism into the body of Christ. It is personal. The second baptism is baptism into water. It's water baptism. This is baptism that is public. This is when you go public with your faith. This is when you are baptized into water, which I keep pointing here because that's where we put our our tub over there for the water, for water baptism. You invite your family and your friends. They come out, they celebrate, they cheer, and you get soaking wet. You're fully immersed because the word baptism in the Greek means fully immersed. So you get fully immersed, you come out of the water, and when you come out of the water, you're wet. But something happens by faith that you leave your old life and your old ways, your old thought patterns, your old mentality, everything behind, and you come out, and it gives us a great example of that, a great story of that. Paul writes about it in the book of Romans. Romans 6 is great proofreading for the baptism into the body of Christ. Romans 7 is great proofreading into the baptism in water. So if one is a baptism that's personal into the body of Christ, and one is public baptism into water, and let me tell you, each one of you should take those steps. Each one of you should take a baptism into the body of Christ. That doesn't mean you get wet. That means you're now your believer. You get saved from your sins, and you're in this space. The second baptism is received by faith, and you should take that as well. Some of you have not done that yet, and I encourage you, you should do that. The Bible instructs us to do that. 27 times we have recorded in the New Testament that when people got saved, they then followed it up with water baptism. It's something you should do too. Then there's a third baptism, baptism into the Holy Spirit. This is power. So one is personal, one is public, and one is powerful. Come on, there should be some amens. One is personal, one is public, one is powerful. And this baptism is to empower you to do the purposes God created you for with the power of God in you. See, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, if he dwells in you, if he empowers you, you can do the same works Jesus did in your life. This is how it's possible for you to live this life so that you can see you doing, man, if I'm created to do something, if God has drawn up a plan and a pattern, if he has given me an ability and said, Dave, you're going to do something with your life, you're going to take this tool and screw screws in, and you're going to go to the wood, and you're going to just apply it. It's going to be a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and a lot of work, but you're going to get the job done. Okay, God, I'll do it. Send me where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do, God. I'll do it. And he says, oh, and by the way, you're going to do it, let me give you some power to do it with. Because you thought you were going to do it like that. But let me give you power in your life. So now when you go to do it, oh, look how easy that was. Look how fluid that was. Look how much simpler that was. And so we have power tools that have come along to help us with a silly illustration. Understand, you can try to live life on your own or you can live life empowered by the Spirit of God. Because either way, you've got to do the works of the Holy Spirit in your life. But man, I'd much rather do the things I was created to do under the power of God than in my own might. So this baptism, this baptism into power, this baptism is a, is a step. That's why we exist to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Because some of you are outside and go, I need to take the first step into the baptism into the body of Christ, salvation. Some have stepped into that and go, I need to take a step into water baptism, a public declaration of my faith. And some of you need to step into baptism in the Holy Spirit and go, now I receive the power to do the things I was created to do in my life. Verse 6, so then they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And it's amazing how their hearts were still consumed with the Roman Empire. Jesus is about to tell them the secret sauce to how they're going to do life without him. And they're caught up thinking, we're going to overthrow the Romans. And he gets them distracted. Because if the devil can't keep you in sin, 
but you get free from sin and salvation, he'll keep you like a car stalled out on the side of the road that's powerless to move forward because it's broken down. And so a car that's stalled out can't move forward in life, can't go the direction it's supposed to go, can't fulfill the purpose it was created for, and do the things it was created to do because it's stalled. So if the devil can't get you in sin, he'll just be content keeping you stalled. And there's some people today that you're stalled out on the side of the road, and I'm trying to bring a power into your life and introduce you to the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit, so you can see the power of God at work in you. This is where the disciples are, caught up in this place, distracted. So he said to them, it is not for you to know the times, the dates, or the seasons the Father is set by his own authority. However, verse 8, but you will receive power. Say power. You've been dying to say it. You've been hoping I was going to say, say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says local, nationally, internationally, the whole earth. I will send you to do my works everywhere to everyone. And after he said this, he was taken up from their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And he went back to heaven. So now they say, what do we do? We go to that place. We go to that upper room. And 500 of them moved from the mountaintop, the Mount Olives, and they moved back down into Jerusalem. They found the upper room, and they were there. And after 10 days, 380 of them skipped town, couldn't stick around, and 120 remained. So we have 120 in the upper room. Fast forward to Acts chapter 2. I'm still on my introduction, y'all. Y'all, now you understand why service went so long. When the day of Pentecost came, and this is the word that is so misunderstood in the New Testament. This word Pentecost, because it's a word that has a different connotation. To some it means one thing, to others it means another. You've heard about this word, you've heard about a denomination, you've heard about a people group, you've heard about a demonstration, and you're uncertain, and this is just a word that you're uncertain about, and you're, ah, ah, I don't know how to handle it. Let me tell you what the word really means. Put your seatbelt on, ready? Pentecost means 50. I know, you're underwhelmed, aren't you? You're like, well, don't make us say 50. Pentecost means 50. Why? Because Pentecost was a festival that the Jews had. They had three high festivals. They had seven total. Three of them were high. They had the Unleavened Bread Festival. They had the Pentecost Festival. They had the Festival of Booths. Two of those festivals were now being fulfilled. One, go back to the crucifixion, the, Passover, the Festival of Unleavened Bread. They all had to gather in Jerusalem Every enabled man would come to Jerusalem and be there and celebrate this festival in the main city, in the capital. You would take 50 days from that moment and fast forward, and God gave them the ability to discover when the early harvest season would come. So the first harvest season the Jews experienced was a barley harvest 50 days after the, Passover, after the festival of unleavened bread. Not that complicated. There was a secondary harvest season the Jews celebrated that would come at the Feast of Booze. That was when they harvested the wheat. If you want to put two and two together, together and study your eschatology, you're welcome to. We're not talking about that today. So in this moment, when it says when Pentecost had fully come, it simply means when they had counted 50 days and now Jews from all over Israel had come back together for this high festival called the Festival of Pentecost, the barley harvest, they were gathered together. They were together in one place. And suddenly, verse 2, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, probably like a hurricane volume wind, came from heaven. Notice it came from heaven. It came from God. This is not an attack from the enemy. This is not something to distract, that, to distract them. This is not a counterfeit offer by the devil to confuse them. This is a gift from God. It fills the whole house where they're sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And now this is where things get a little bit dicey, because we've never seen this again in the Scriptures after this moment. We see a ball of fire arrive. It splits off into what appears to be tongues of fire on top of each person in the room. And then after that happens, suddenly they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues 
other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So what they couldn't do before the Holy Spirit, now they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they have the ability to do something that was impossible to them before. But why would God do that? Verse 5, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Each one heard in their own language spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galilean? They should be speaking Hebrew. How is it that each one of us hears them in our own language? And then they begin to list out the languages, the nations, the people groups represented. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, it sounds like lunch meat, Asia, Phrygia and Philia, and I had that one time in Egypt and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Even your boy, the Italians are there. Look at that. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. He gave them the ability to speak in another language so they could declare the works of God and other people could know about him when they didn't have the power to speak in that language to start with. It's not that weird. It's not that strange. It's the power of God that empowered them to do what they couldn't do before, but to fulfill the purpose they were created for with a power they had never experienced before. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine because that's what we do. When we don't understand something, we begin to try to rationalize it out, explain it away. They've had too much wine. And Peter, Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And you have to understand now, Peter, Peter, previous to having the Holy Spirit fill him, was shy, was scared, he lied. A little girl, a young man, another person all said, don't you know Jesus? What, you with this man? And at the foot of the cross, at the time Jesus needed Peter most, Peter ran. He was ashamed. But now Peter, restored, filled with the Holy Spirit, in a moment when they say, are these people drunk? Somebody tell us what's going on. Peter, filled with boldness now, begins to get up and begin to explain what happened. And he said, they have not had too much wine. He said, these Jews, all you Jews who live around here, let me explain this to you and listen carefully. They're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This was what was spoken by the prophet Joel 800 years prior to the prophecy of Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, men and women. Come on. Men and women. Jesus is equaling the playing field here. He's leveling the playing field they're on. No longer whether it's just the men that were going to be invited to the festival and the women could accompany them. Hey, by the way, right now, this is good for everybody. You're all invited to this party. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. For the next 19 verses, Peter goes on to explain to them what this is in the power of the Holy Spirit. 37, and when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Notice the baptism into the body of Christ. For repentance, for salvation, for forgiveness. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Another baptism. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all who call whom the Lord our God will call. Peter understands in this moment and begins to prophesy, hey, this is not only for us today, but this is for every generation that will come in the church age until Jesus, who we just saw go away in the clouds, comes again like he said he would. This is the difference the church needs in order to do the work God created us to do. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want you to open your heart, open your ears, open your eyes, and begin to see something maybe you never had before and lead yourself today with that prayer. God, whatever you want in my life, I want. And whatever you don't want in my life, I don't want either. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you this morning for being so good to us. God, thank you for blessing that first service. 
Now open our understanding and lead us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? If God would promise to us to do something so great and call us to do something, we would expect him to give us the authority and the res- to go along with the responsibility. If we're going to be people who are going to change the world, we've got to have the power to change the world. Well, in doing so, he says, I'll give you the power. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has come in this way, so he fills me up. But that which is filled can also be emptied. Because you can be filled with things all day long. You can be filled up with something. You can be filled up with a mindset. You can be filled up with a concept. You can be filled up with all kinds of different things in your life. So he says, but I want you to be filled with the Spirit of God that will give you the power to do what you're called to do. But too many times believers are walking around and living life not filled with the Spirit. And when you're not filled with the Spirit, then other things have the ability to come inside and fight for that space in your life. I used Coke Zero the first service. I'm a big fan of Coke Zero. We are sponsored by Coke Zero at the Avenue Church. Uh, I run out of cans. So this service, we have Monster Zero Sugar. How many white Monster fans out there? Anybody? Every once in a while before service, I'll drink one of these and kind of get a little something in me. But see, as the can is emptied out, the can can be filled up with whatever you want to fill it up with. And when the can is empty and doesn't have anything filling it, when attacks come its way, it doesn't have the power to withstand the attack. So an attack comes and does damage to the can. And somebody says something, it hurts the can. And something happens in life and it damages the can because there's nothing inside to protect it from the outside because it's empty. But you take a can that has a filling that's sealed, that's shut, that's closed, it's full, and the same attacks don't bother it. The same things that harm the other can, the same things that bother the other can, don't create the same damage to this one. And the only difference is it's filled up. So you take this can that is empty, this can that has nothing in it, and when life happens to it and comes its way and the crushing comes down on it and life and all its weight, oh, there it goes. And that's what happens to too many believers. Life happens and crushes them and they're kicked to the side and they wonder, why is my life this way? It's because you're empty inside. You're not filled with the power to withstand, the power to overcome, the power to live your life at the level. Why could Jesus go to the cross and resurrect? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, if I needed the Holy Spirit, so do you. So now I have something in my life. Now I'm filled. Now I have a filling. Now I'm sealed. And when I am, look, I didn't break my ankle the first service. So this worked. And when I'm filled, look at the weight that can be withstood. Look at the way it can hold up under pressure. Look at how the can performs under the same circumstances. And the only difference is it's filled on the inside Why do you think John wrote, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world? Because when I'm filled up with the Holy Spirit inside of me, the world can attack me. The world can say what they want. I can go through whatever I got to go through. I can get the job done. I can overcome. I can live victoriously. The world may crush me. It may attack me. It may try to beat me down. But greater is he that is in me so I can withstand. And I don't have to stand there and take it. But I can overcome and be victorious. And the difference is... What are you filled with? What are you filled with? I know it's a silly illustration. I know it's not that complicated. But what are you filled with? So let me give you three things that happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Three things. Take note. Write these down. Number one, God reveals things to me that I did not recognize before. My eyes are open to blind spots I had before. I have a supernatural power to see what I couldn't see before. Now, before they get spooky and you're like, am I going to see ghosts? No, you're not. Am I going to have Superman's x-ray vision to see through walls? No, you're not. You're going to have a spiritual vision to see things in your life you couldn't see before. So now you have the ability to see stuff about you, other people, situations, ideas, things that you couldn't see before. 
you have the ability to have to be revealed what you couldn't recognize before. On my iPhone, there is a wonderful little button. It's hidden down on the back. You got to go into the dashboard, and when you get there, it's called the magnifier. How many of y'all use the magnifier to read the menu at the restaurant? Come on. I did Friday night, 45 years old, and I pulled out the flashlight and the magnifier to read the menu. The other day, I needed the power to see what was there, but I couldn't see with my natural eyes. I was about to microwave some food and throw some stuff in the microwave and warm it up. And my wife, Tara, is always telling me, you can't put that plate in the microwave. Can't put that cup in the microwave. She's always trying to keep me safe, protected against toxins. And me, I'm always putting everything in the microwave. Cardboard boxes and bags. And you can't put Chick-fil-A wrappers in the microwave, y'all. They explode. They catch fire. Fire department comes out. The alarm goes off. It's a mess. So I'm putting this plate in the microwave. And as I'm putting the plate in the microwave, her voice comes in my mind and says, check the back of the plate to see. So I pull out the magnifying glass because I can't read because it's a two-size font that some Gen Zer put on there because it's fancy. <laughs> so I pull out the magnifier and I'm looking at it and it says on the back, dishwasher safe. Check. Not suitable for microwave. Oh, man. So I got to go get a paper plate and put it on the paper plate. And that Holy Spirit hits me and goes, how many times in life are you doing things you're not suitable for? How many times in life? Because what you couldn't see before through the power of the Holy Spirit, you realize, hey, I, I was about to eat something and the toxins were about to get in that food and that food get in my body and be unhealthy for me. And I was being protected because what I couldn't see in the natural, I could see with a magnifier. The Holy Spirit comes along and magnifies your vision. He reveals to you what you couldn't see before. So all of a sudden he says, yeah, 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 you, you, you. That's not suitable for your life. That person's not suitable for your life. Saying that's not suitable for your life. Thinking that's not suitable for your life. Living that way is not suitable for your life. Responding like that's not suitable for your life. And I put in check and I'm empowered. So the things before, the habits before, the ways before I behaved and acted and thought about doing things has changed because he's empowered me to recognize and re be revealed what I couldn't see in my life before so simple yet it's so easy that now all of a sudden he has come this is what jesus said in john 16 13 when he promised but when he the spirit of truth comes that's what i want that's what you want we all want to know the truth we don't want to be misguided we don't want lies we don't want to be deceived when the spirit of truth the holy spirit comes he will guide you into all truth so how does this help you now let me give you a couple quick ways even in your relationships in your dating world, if you're single and you're dating, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you so that when you see somebody, you recognize and it's revealed to you who they really are. And you don't have to do the long, hard work of finding out for yourself, but you can see them for what they are. And you can go, he is a liar. He is manipulative. She is controlling. She only wants this thing out of my life. Or you can see they're genuine. And they're kind and they're caring. Holy Spirit, open my eyes in this relationship to see what I couldn't see before. Put the magnifier on there. Reveal to me what I couldn't recognize in this dating relationship. It's so helpful to you. This is the helper. Come along. You're looking for a partner to do life with. Why would you not want the Holy Spirit's help to guide you and lead you in discovering that individual? Well, marriages, marriages, Holy Spirit, reveal to us the truth about our marriage. What's the condition of our marriage? What's the situation of our marriage? What's it like in our marriage? Tara and I are ever in a discussion, fight, conversation, heavily frustrated, one of those moments. Sometimes we'll look at each other and go, well, we just need to pray. We need to, we need to pray. And then we'll pray and simply pray a prayer like this. Holy Spirit, reveal to me right now areas in my life I need to see. And 100% of the time, every single time, the Holy Spirit shows Tara where she's wrong. Every time. <laughs> every time. Every time. It's not a joke. 
oh, it's Father's Day. He can make jokes. Oh, it's not a joke. Every time. Every time. He's a spirit of truth. He shows her every time. And then it's my turn. Holy Spirit, reveal to me areas in my life that are not right. Every time, without fail, he will show you and he will open your eyes and you'll recognize my tone, my condensation, my everything about me that was my, my, my language, my talk. I was, I was speaking down to somebody or trying to control a situation or whatever it might be. Holy Spirit revealed to me and listen to me. He does this in order to change you, not shame you. Because so many people don't want to do this because you feel like you're going to be ashamed. You feel like you're going to be made to feel bad, less than. You're going to feel unworthy. You're going to feel reduced and, oh, here I go again. No, no, no. When the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth speaks into your life and you recognize things and they're revealed to you, it's there for your benefit so you can begin to change the enemy will shame you. If you feel shame, know the devil is trying to use a tactic, tactic to keep you from change, but the Holy Spirit will convict you so he can empower you to change. It's a revelation. So my dating, my marriage, your money. Oh, the church is talking about money. Oh, the church is talking about money again. The church is talking about marriage. Yes, please. Church about kids, helping kids. Yeah, absolutely, Pastor. Pray for my kids. Church talk about healing in your body. Yes and amen. Please pray for me. Church talks about money. No, mind your own business. But I dare you to pray. Holy Spirit, reveal to me the truth about my resources, about my money. Sometimes the revelation will be that you are not the source of your own income. Every time that will be, but if you've never seen it that way, you should understand you are not the source of what you have received. God is your source. I recognize him as my provider. Well, pastor, I got a good job. I worked hard for it. I went to college all these years, and look where I'm at now. I'm a self-made man. God gave you ability. God gave you talent. God gave you the, the mindset, the intelligence. He positioned you in that way. He gave you favor and set you in that place. Who did what in your life? He is my source. So if I want to talk about money, I just talk about my generosity, my opportunity to give. What can I give back to the kingdom? If your mentality is, what can I get? Let me challenge you to pray and say, God, give me a revelation about my resources and my money. And pray, God, now what can I do with what you have entrusted to me? I have no problem talking about money here at the Avenue because we're just a channel that God uses to get money through to do his works in this place. In this community, we impact the world because of your giving. We are connected to missionaries around the world, and we can change locally, and we can change nationally, and we can change internationally. And we are fulfilling Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, all three of those regions, all three Jesus said to do because of your faithful giving that's consistent. We don't have church last weekend, and you gave anyway. Why? Because you have a revelation about your money and your resources that you're not the source. And as Pastor James said earlier in the huddle, you can't outgive God. And God can trust you to give you even more. He'll open your eyes. The spirit of revelation. The spirit to reveal to you every area of your life. You can do this with your kids. You can do this with your job. You can do this with your everything that you're going through. Holy Spirit, show me. Number two. God changes things in me I was powerless to change on my own. So he reveals what I didn't recognize. Now he changes what I was powerless to change. I tried. I couldn't do it. I wanted to. It didn't happen. Parents, this is a good way to help your kids. Don't focus so much on what they're doing. Focus more on why they did it. Because God is constantly trying to change you from the inside out. What you did is what you did. Why you did it is the reason he wants to change you. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. So what's in me comes out of me. So he wants to change what's in me. The why inside of me is what needs to be changed in my life. Your kids need to understand why. So my kids aren't allowed to say, I don't know. We have set for hours and hours and hours 
in a stair down. Tara goes to bed. I sit for hours and hours. You are going to figure out why you did what you did so you don't repeat it again. Because if we just deal with symptoms, I'm not helping you. But if I can deal with sickness, you can be healed. So the Holy Spirit gives you the power to change what couldn't be changed before. And he does this from the inside. That's why the power of God gets down in you. That's why the Holy Spirit fills you. Because it works from the inside out. So many believers are trying to fix symptoms and exterior. No, no, no. The way to change is from the inside out. Listen to this story. Psalm 139, we have a phenomenal scripture. King David was in a situation in his life where he had been running from King Saul on the run for his life. 13 years. Finally, the kingdom is given over to him. He's going to be king of Israel and Judea. It's given to him. He's going to reign as king. And he realizes in order to be king, I need God in a way like I've never needed him before. So he says, I got to go get the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God in the Old Testament. Ark of, the, Ark of the Covenant, God gave it to Moses. It's where the presence of God in the Old Testament resided. Now, in the New Testament, we don't have the Ark any longer. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. His presence resides in us, so His power is now in here. That's why you need to be filled. Old Testament, the Ark is where the power was in the presence. So David says, if I'm going to do the purposes of God, I got to have the power of God. Go get the Ark. So to go get the Ark, but the problem is the Philistines had the Ark. So David begins to practice the ways of the world in order to do the works of God. Puts the ark on oxen. God didn't tell him to move the ark on oxen. He had a certain way to do it. The problem that David had was he was trying to do what God wanted him to do, but in the world's mindset, the world's ways, the world's ideas, the world's concepts. You can't change what needs to be changed by a good, a good book written by a secular artist who's just going to give you self-help. It can change a few things. It can encourage you in some ways. There's even some good ideologies in there. But if you really want to change what needs to be changed, you get into the Word of God and have the Holy Spirit get down inside of you, and then He empowers all, and He'll use all those other tools, but it starts with Him. So David says, let me go get the ark, bring the ark back. They put it on oxen. And as the oxen are moving along with the ark on top of it, the presence, the power of God, one of the, ark, the oxen stumble. Why? Because the way his worlds are very unstable. They won't last. So the oxen stumbles. A man named Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark of God. And when he touches it, he dies in the moment. It's terrible. David is appalled. He can't believe this man has died for touching the ark. But they were trying to practice the ways of God with the world's habits. David backs off and says, forget about it. He goes into this space and says, God, if I'm going to do what you want me to do, I need your power and your presence. How am I supposed to do it if I don't have the ark? And he writes Psalm 139. Listen to these two verses out of it. He says, search me and know me. Remember, any true change happens on the inside first. Search me and know me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, God. God, if you want it in my life, I want it. God, if you don't want it in my life, I don't want it. And lead me in the path of everlasting life. And God shows him the things in his life that he doesn't want. And he reveals to him how to get the presence of God in his life. And he goes back and he doesn't use oxen. He uses priests. He does things the right way. And suddenly the presence and the power of God moves into space. And David conquers everything set before him. He took land never assumed before by Israel. He took spaces and conquest and overcame enemies, giants, people, armies that could not be taken out. David takes them all out. Why? Because he has the power and the presence of God in his life. Imagine what you can do when you're filled, when you have this power, when you have the ability inside of you to give you the power to do it you got to change from the inside out. Number three, he reveals what I didn't recognize. He changes what I was powerless to change. Now God leads my life. God leads my life. Leads me everywhere. Leads me into everything. Leads me in all ways. Leads me in all times. 
God leads my life. The world will give you some bad advice. Disney says, let your conscience be your God. Bad advice. My conscience should not decide whether or not I do something. The way I feel about it shouldn't be the deciding factor as to whether or not I was going to do it. I don't follow my feelings. I felt like sleeping with them, so I did. Then you get frustrated. I felt like doing this with my life and wasting my time, so I, I felt like being at the lake, being on the ocean, being somewhere. I felt like investing my resources there. I felt like, don't let your conscience be your God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. The world will say, well, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can understand the heart? See, the world teaches you that your conscience can guide you, that your heart can guide you. But the Bible teaches us that the Spirit should guide us. Because what fills me leads me. You should write it down. Whatever it is that fills me leads me. Sometimes the thought is, well, what I'm led by, I'm filled by. No, no. What fills you leads you. If you're filled with pride, filled with pride, you're going to walk into conversations haughty, arrogant, disgusting, appalling, turn everybody off, looking down on people, condescending. If you're filled with lust, you're going to walk into relationships looking to see what you can get out of it, not to the benefit of the person, not trying to understand love. If you're filled with disappointment, you can't walk into a space with expectation and hope and think something good is coming from it. You're going to be led by disappointment and go, man, same old, same old, same result as always. Can't catch a break. But when you're led by the Spirit of God, when you're filled by the Spirit of God, you're led into things by Him. So you're filled with kindness and you walk up and go, man, it's good to see you today. Look at you up here playing the bass. It's so good to see everybody today. You're led with kindness because you're filled with kindness. I think it's one of the most underrated attributes the Holy Spirit gives us, kindness. What if the world was just a nicer place? Everybody wants that. You can't find that any more, any way better than being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. His goodness shown to me is what convicted me of my sin and told me I could change. I didn't have to live in my shame. I'm filled with love. I can be led into spaces and love people that aren't lovable. I can love unconditionally. I can love as God led, love me. Why? I can follow the Spirit as He leads me because He has filled me up. So whatever you're filled with, you're led by Paul followed this up in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, don't act thoughtlessly. That's what we're talking about. Being spirit-led. Being spirit-empowered. Being spirit-filled. Don't live your life without thought, just accidental, just careless. Live it intentionally. He says, understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand the purpose you were created for. Know what God wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. It'll ruin your life. It's not that hard. One plus one equals two. If you're drunk all the time, it's going to ruin your life. Now, is he speaking directly to being drunk? Absolutely. Being drunk all the time will ruin your life. However, you can also take this and apply it in a general sense. Because if you find yourself intoxicated upon yourself all the time, self-conceited, it's going to ruin your life. If you find yourself intoxicated upon somebody else, codependent, you can't find your own way to do what God's created you to do because you're fully always following them everywhere they go. Anything that is, has you intoxicated, anything that you're drunk upon, anything, the, the Bible says, don't be filled with any other spirit but the Spirit of God. Don't submit yourself so that you have, don't have any power or control any longer to anything or anyone but the Holy Spirit. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. It'll ruin your life. Caught up on yourself, caught up on fame, drunk on popularity. Gotta have likes, gotta have people just going after money. 
just living your life for money, living your life to make as much as you can, it will ruin you. Instead, look at that good word. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't get filled up with pride. It'll make you do something foolish. Be filled with the Spirit of God who will lead you to your destiny. And this word filled, when he says be filled, he's literally saying be filled and be filled again and be filled again and be filled again and be filled again. It's more than a one-time stop. It's more than a one-stop shop. It's more than just one time I got filled, good to go. Listen, you can be saved one time. That's all you need. You can be baptized in water one time. That's all you need. But the Holy Spirit, now we have a different instruction. Be filled continuously. It's I need a daily filling. This is why you need to get into the Word, into God's presence, have His power deposited every day. If the devil's going to attack me every day, I need the Holy Spirit's power every day. Why? Because it takes power to withstand and to absorb it and to fight back. Listen, we're not here just to defend. We're here to overcome. So I need to be in that space that I can position myself to live victoriously, to attack and pursue. How do I do that? I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I'm filled every day. How many times in Scripture do we see the enemy attack somebody? They defend themselves. He goes away but he comes back again. He's coming back again with another temptation, another challenge, another situation. You need to be filled every day. So your prayer is, not just show me what needs to be changed, not just change what I couldn't change before, but fill me. Fill me with what you want me to be filled with. As I close, you can stand up and help me close. Acts chapter 19, we see this story. Paul is traveling. It says he went on the interior. He was led by the Holy Spirit to go to Ephesus. And when he got there, he found some believers. And he looked at the believers and he said to them, since you did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What's he saying? He's saying, since you were baptized into the body of Christ, have you received the Holy Spirit? Two baptisms. And what did they say to him? They said these words that are echoing through the world today. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Today you've heard. The Holy Spirit is the promised gift from God. That you may receive the power in your life to do great things. You want homework? 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. The works of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, three different things, nine in each one. You can have all of them in your life as the Holy Spirit sees fit, but you need to be submitted and say, God, I want to receive you. Listen, by faith, you receive salvation, baptism into the body, forgive my sins and make me clean. By faith, you get down in a hot tub of water and you get wet. And you come out a new person, leaving your old ways behind. By faith, you receive the Holy Spirit. And what is deposited on the inside begins to change what's on the outside. You need it. You want to change your world? You want to change circumstances? You want to change things? You want to have the ability to bring healing to people's lives? You want to speak prophetically over somebody? You want to help somebody understand what they're going through? You want to have a heart of encouragement? You want to have kindness like nobody's ever seen? You want to have integrity and character? You want to be able to lead a life filled with the power of the works of the Holy Spirit? You want to be able to speak over somebody in their worst, lowest moment and pull them out of that despair and give them hope? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to live. You want to parent. You want to raise kids. You want to have a marriage. You want to lead a church. You want to have a body of believers, a community that is so in love with each other, with God, and with this place. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And everything else is a counterfeit. And what you've heard before, I don't know what to tell you. What you've seen before, I don't know what to tell you. I've seen weird stuff in church. You know why? Because people are weird. I've only ever experienced good things from God.
Every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from the Lord of love. God has only ever given me good things. So when I pray and say, God, if you want it in my life, I want it. It comes from a place of trust that I've established and said, God, you've only wanted good for me. I want it too. And remove all the stuff you don't want. So close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes. We're going to walk through this. I'm going to give you three options really quick. First option is simply today. Do you need to be baptized into the body of Christ? Do you need to make a personal decision and say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. And by faith, by faith that we save through grace, not of works, not of myself, lest any one of us should boast. It is the gift of God. If that's you, that you need to step into this place of salvation, I want to pray with you. Across this room, we're going to pray. And by faith, we're going to believe that your soul is saved. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Pray it out loud and believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you will be saved as promised by God. Watching online in this room, join me in this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I invite you as my Lord. Save me from my sin and forgive me. Baptize me into your body. I receive the gift of salvation in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. That is what we're here for. We celebrate people making that decision. We celebrate people making that choice. We celebrate people saying, by faith I receive salvation. Listen, now that's what you need. You need that more than anything else to get to heaven. However, it doesn't stop there. Because notice, if you just got saved, you didn't just go to heaven. You're still here. Rude awakening. You're still on earth. So how am I supposed to do what I'm still here to do? Because if the point of it was just get saved and that was it, you'd be out of here. So would I. But I'm still here. I keep waking up every day. So there must be more. So I'll send the promise, the Holy Spirit. So I want you to pray. July 2nd, we have water baptism. If you need to be baptized in water, that is your day. Follow the commandment. Obey the Lord, be baptized in water, baptized into water. If you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray in this room. And by faith, just as you will go down in water and come out, by faith you believe, I'm soaking wet, but I'm leaving my old ways behind. I go in public with my faith. In this moment right now, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to lift your hands to receive the gift. Because at Christmas time, when they give me gifts, I hold out my hands. Father's Day, they're going to give me a gift today. I'm holding out my hands. The God, God's going to give you a gift today. Hold out your hands. If you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, if you want to receive the presence of God in your life, inside of you by faith right now, I want you to hold your hands out like you're going to receive a gift. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can pray it. Remember at the very beginning I said to start praying a very dangerous prayer. God, if you want it in my life, I want it. If you don't want it, I don't want it. This is one of those moments to trust God. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit. So repeat after me. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Put the Holy Spirit down inside of me as you did the disciples. Let him change me from the inside out. I receive the Holy Spirit into my life. In Jesus' name. God, I pray over your people this morning, those watching online and in this space. God, I pray we begin to see the works of the Holy Spirit evident in our lives. God, I pray that we may have different, different dreams or visions come. God, we may prophesy different things. We may begin to speak in languages we don't understand. God, we may begin to use terminology and say things. We may see healings break out. God, we may see things happen that we have never seen or imagined before. God, we may walk into rooms and bring peace where there's chaos. God, we may walk into spaces and bring healing where there's pain. God, we may walk into discouragement and despair and bring love and kindness and encouragement all because we now carry the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. So let your church be a blessing. Let your love be spread abroad. God, let the power of the Holy Spirit work through each one of us and we will give you glory and honor. We have a mission to do and God, I thank you for empowering us to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said.